Hey, what's up, everyone? Dave here. Welcome to episode 55 of the Pocket Mastermind podcast. On today's episode, I'm talking to Muriel Falouse. Uh, Muriel is a coach and uh, also runs a website called Single Moms Doing It All. Uh, Muriel works with single moms to help them uh, navigate through the challenges of parenthood and overcome uh, anxiety and depression um, through different coaching techniques, uh, through spiritual practices, through meditation, um, a whole bunch of stuff. And we touch on uh, so much during this episode. Um, I think you're going to get an awful lot out of it. So um, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, before we get into it, please remember to like, share, follow, um, all of that stuff that helps me to get out to more people. Uh, so with that, let's get on with the show. So the big question is this, how do ordinary people like us that weren't born into money create true financial freedom, take back control of our lives and live a life full of purpose, meaning and fulfillment? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I learn, apply and share the strategies that the wealthy know and use that the rest of us weren't taught to create true financial freedom. My name is David Bell and welcome to Pocket Mastermind. Muriel, welcome to the Pocket Mastermind podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You run um, a website and a podcast called Single Mums Doing It All. And tell us a bit about that. Where did it come from where did that all start so it was um actually it was a turn that i took in my business because i was um coaching on dating and relationships for years and at one point when my kids became teenagers uh, me being a single mom they started exploring a little bit too much acting out mm -hmm. and without realizing you know I, I got overwhelmed i was also struggling with some health stuff and I spiraled slowly, slowly into depression without realizing that I was until I got to a point where I caught myself saying things like, I would love for it to just stop. I, I wouldn't like thinking about killing myself, but if I could disappear, I would be fine with it because everything was too much on me. So when I fully realized that I was in depression, I said, okay, I need to do something about it. Um, because I had many, many tools as a coach and I was practicing some for years already. I doubled on what I was doing. I literally took myself as if I was a client and I started, uh, first using thought interruption because, you know, you have those cycle of thoughts that bring you even deeper and the body reacts to thoughts and uh, the brain sends you biochemicals and you go into negative emotions and then it's the opposite. Right, yeah. yeah, and then you have even more thoughts about negative stuff. So I got in the habit to become very, very aware of my thoughts and, and I have techniques. To... Yeah, so I was going to say, what do you do to interrupt those thoughts? So I first, I worked on becoming aware. And when my awareness became, because I was waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety attacks, I was afraid that my kids would be stupid enough to take something at a party and out of the dead, you know, you never know. Mm -hmm. And 
I, so I noticed how I was feeling. I was waking up, palpitations and everything. And I said, okay, I need to bring my mind somewhere else. So I teach people that a thought is not who you are. It's like a train that you take. You can get out. You know, when you have those ski poles that you hold on to, people think they have to do that with a thought and not let go. So I forced myself to let go. And then I used a technique called emotional freedom technique or tapping, which is a combination of um, using the ancient knowledge like the acupuncture meridians and modern psychology. And it, what it does, it actually talks with the stress center in your brain and it literally intercepts the stress response in your body to a point where um, the neuro association between what you're thinking about and the stress, the anxiety is, is broken. So slowly, slowly you start installing new neuro, neuro associations with that specific topic or that specific concern and you react less and less. And then you're able to go and pick a more positive thought because if you don't intervene and calm yourself first, you can't go there at all. So, true. so that's how Sometimes I went back. The thoughts kind of go so fast that yes. a lot of people, you're thinking them and feeling them before you realize. For, for It could be for quite a while, right? That, you know, Even I catch myself sometimes. You wake, if, if you've got something on your mind and you wake up in the night, you could, you're on the, like I think the, the description of the train is a great one because yeah. you're on that train and oh, you're yeah. on it for a, quite a while before you suddenly realize and you can break the that that's that thought process that cycle it it's a it's a like a, since you're in england i'm sure people know about uh, the tgv in france mm -hmm. uh it's fast and uh you have to be the the sooner you catch it the easier it is because after that it takes momentum and it becomes harder but i my i'm passionate about neuroscience so i use all the tools and the techniques and anything that I've learned and I mix everything together to really have a strong impact. And that's how I bounced back because a lot of my friends were like, you need to take antidepressants. And I'm like, no, no, we, it's my, my depression is a circumstantial depression. It's not some uh, unbalance in the brain. So the same way that I entered it with, entered it with my thoughts, I need to slow down. <laughs> when I'm passionate, I speak too fast. I have to exit it the same way that I entered mm -hmm. it. So it became a lot about thoughts mastery and techniques to interrupt the body response and realigning with, there is a field of infinite intelligence, infinite knowledge, whatever you want to call it, the universe, God, whatever your terminology is for it, it's available for us to guide us too. So it's really a mix. And that's how I got out and after I came back to myself, I, I realized how painful it had been, how debilitating and the impact that it can have on your kids. So I decided to change gear and rename my business, Single Moms Doing It All, and start really working with moms on their mental health and um, teach them what I call now co-parenting with the universe, having access to that, that field. I think, you know, like you're, as you described and, and I see a lot of single parents 
male and female they, when you're, you're juggling the juggling the kids and work and everything else it, it all of this builds and builds and builds little by little and i don't i think most of us don't even and you know even whether you're in any part of your life that we get we get these kind of stresses that come on us and we're juggling loads of things and it kind of builds and builds and builds and i don't think we really realize until there's some kind of breaking point and the exactly. idea idea really is i guess what you, you as you work with single mums is to try and get to that get it get involved before the breaking point um so that we don't you don't have to redo the rebuild process right yes um interrupting the downward spiraling that's really the focus and uh because what i realized after fact is that i was living in anxiety for so long and that had become my new normal so i didn't even know i was anxious and when I was able to stop that, I was like, oh, my God, I feel like when I was in college, you know, uh, I was so worry free. Suddenly, I remember catching myself on my couch one day watching TV. and I was like, I feel so peaceful, so great, so free. What's going on? <laughs> I hadn't realized it had become my new normal. So how are some of the ways that you now work with the ladies that you work with? What, are, what let's say you, you, a new per, you get a new client um and they're in a similar position to where you were um in your own life how do you start the process working with somebody so i had a client recently um so i have usually a, comp a complimentary call where we assess what's going on and her daughter was was smoking weed drinking only 16 out of control and it got to a point where the mother was so stressed that every time a door closed, she was jumping because she thought, Ulay, my daughter went out without my permission and went to get in trouble. So I remember I told her, we're not gonna, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your daughter. I'm, we're going to work on you. And the first thing we're going to do is to calm that jumpiness mm -hmm. and to step into your power because she felt powerless. And that's how I felt too. Define where you're powerless and where you have power. That's crucial because we try to control stuff that we can't control. Another person, because even though it's your child, it's another person. And you can't control anybody. And when you try to control someone else and you're constantly trying to see what they're doing, you go crazy. It's, it's something that can be done. So that's where we started defining the areas of control defining the areas of power and working within those areas and as for the areas where you don't have power connecting with the same life force energy infinite wisdom that protects you to understand that it protects them too and my belief the people who come uh, to my coaching know that there is a spiritual aspect to it where we, most of my clients and myself believe that we have contracts before we come on this earth. And that if somebody has signed to be an addict, you can support them, help them, every, anything you can, but you can't prevent what they came to do here. And it's extremely hard for a mother because I had to come face to face with the fact that if God forbid my kids were come, came here to die early, 
I couldn't stop it. But it wasn't now the time to deal with that. Now they are alive, they're fine. So let's put that aside. And it's really about building yourself to a point to know that you have what it takes. You have what it takes. Trust yourself, trust God, the universe. Everything will be provided to you to face what you have to face in the moment. And don't go too far into catastrophic thinking. So that's where we start. And then we start very much customizing based on what they believe, what's going on in their family. Uh, it's also a question of self-worth, um, a question of self-value and what power you think you have in the world. It's very um, thorough and, and broad because we always start with ourselves. It's always about feeling enough to deal with what you have to deal with. And then because your brain is designed in a way where you're programmed for survival. So anything that doesn't go right, your attention goes there. And when your attention is on something, there is a part of the brain called the reticular activating system, which will match the outside world, what you see, what you hear, what you experience with what you're thinking about, even if it's in the back of your head. So when you're on alert, you're going to notice any little danger, any little fact that tells you stay on alert. So it's about calming that first so you can start seeing things differently and having access to the, the frontal cortex of your brain to come up with resourceful, resourceful solutions. And then you can, yeah, the, the reticular activating system is then what we can use to, in a positive way, Right, so that you can then start to build the things that you, the positive things that you do want in your life, and yes, the magic works in the same, in the same way, it, right? In the opposite direction. Yes, good stuff. Yes, once you're calm, and you repeat, even if you have to repeat to yourself twenty times a day, in this moment I'm safe, my kids are safe, in this moment everything's going well. You're gonna start spotting things that go well because, although one area is completely out of control. All the rest is okay. They're healthy. They're eating, they're sleeping, they're doing whatever they're doing every day. You still have a relationship. And that way you can make your relationship with your kid or anyone you're struggling with uh, something else that this conflict. You can build the loving side, uh, everything else in the relationship too. Because you can't support someone when you're on their back constantly. It, it's going to annoy them, irritate them. And, and uh, we are like disco balls. When a facet in us is active, we are going to activate the same facet in the other person. So if we are anxious, angry, uh, frustrated, they're going to interact with you at that level. Yeah, I think something I try and think of, and I'm not perfect at this, is to everybody you meet is some kind of mirror or reflection of you at some point and you tend it very much does tend you does tend to bounce back whatever you transmit seems to come back in the other direction and and it's so it's funny because it works that way i always explain uh so we are we're covering the brain part with when i was coaching women on dating and i was explaining that uh, mirror uh, reflection in others a woman who's someone is going to tell her you're beautiful or no 
someone she's going to be people are going to look at her if she feels beautiful she's going to say oh i look great today i love it if she doesn't feel beautiful she's going to say what's wrong what what's going on so that's exactly that and that's the brain level and on an energy level it's like an elevator you 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 stop at that floor of something is wrong something is uh, I need to fix it. If we're talking about the kids, I need to be the protector. I need to be on alert. So that's the floor at which you are. That's all you're going to encounter. I like that. Um, and where does things like routine come in? Because uh, I imagine to try and get some kind of, uh, you know, for me, and I know that you meditate in the morning and how do you start to introduce routines? Whether is it do you, do you start to look at the morning aspect and the end of people's days, and how does that go? Um, so yes, and uh, before I actually talk about meditations, uh, all kinds of meditations, because when they start, I found for myself that many years ago I started with guided meditation because my brain was going crazy. I had to have a vehicle to attach myself to in order to stay calm. Now I can do it otherwise, but on certain days when I'm agitated, I have to have a support to drive me to stay anchored. So I teach them to anchor themselves in the moment for a few minutes if they can do more. And we calm with emotional freedom technique, which is very powerful uh, to calm the response in the brain. And the more, it's like a cycle, the, the calmer you are, the more you can calm yourself. And that's where we, we um, start. I, that client that I was talking about uh, gave me some feedback after we did six weeks of coaching. She was way better and her boyfriend told her, I, you're not, so her daughter did something and she, she went, she took her mom and went shopping and had a good time. And her boyfriend was like, what's going on with you? You're not agitated. You're not going crazy. She said, no, I'm not ruining my day anymore. I'm doing what I have to do in the moment with her, but I'm not letting it take my whole day. And that's my goal It's for them to get their life back because outside of the kids, you have a life. And if you want to help anybody, you need to start by taking care of yourself. And that's where, yeah, that's where we start with the, we don't go right away with meditations. We have affirmations, same thing. It's just a brain training so that you start developing the habit before you even talk about time, the habit every day in front of your mirror in the morning, you say a few affirmations. If you can, you sit down, you close your eyes in the morning and, and yeah, I have recorded meditations with my voice. Mm -hmm. I have a, People love the French accent, so, and I go really, really soft. And I, I have a habit of putting people to sleep. So I usually give them more meditation in the evening than morning because I put them to sleep. <laughs> and, but we start very small. And, where, where, and so where have you got to now with your own kind of morning routine? How's that? So different? my morning meditation, and if I see that, on days where I have too much on my mind and I can't meditate, I, I do the tapping first to calm myself down. And if I really can't let my mind free, I do breathing exercises. And that's my meditation. Like, you know, the some of Kundalini yoga, breathing like uh, really intense exercises 
or I don't know if you've heard about Jody Spanza, Dr. Jody Spanza. Yes, yes. So he's, um, I don't know how he calls it, getting, get the mind out of the body, root, uh, breathing. So stuff like that. And so I do that. I do, um, I commune with, I believe that we're supported by our ancestors, guides. I believe in, that I have guides and, um, but not all my clients do. I ask to commune with them and I, I say hi, if you want, because I noticed that when I build that connection, there is a lot of joy in my, in my heart. So I think I open to the miracles of the day, whatever gift the universe wants to send me, I say, send it, I'm ready. And that's basically what I do. Uh, I do also writing aff affirmations in writing, but not so much in the morning. It's more midday to stay on track. And how do you, so you talk a bit about, uh, kind of there's, um, as you talk about the joy there, there's also a perspective and you know, the thank, already thanking for the, the gifts of the day. And I think there's kind of, there's a, there's a, there's a framing involved there where seeing the events of the day for the good rather than for the challenge that they present. How, how do how do you go about that? So I, I used to wake up in the morning with my to-do list in my head and I didn't like how it made me feel at all. <laughs> I was already, <laughs> I wasn't even out of bed. I was stressed. I was like, oh, <laughs> yes. Exactly. So I said, okay, no, that cannot go like that. It's not good. And I intentionally decide it's a decision because I recently I had a client who was telling me life is hard when you're a single mom. We have so many challenges. Life is hard. I said, yeah, that's true. But life is easy too. Life is good too. There is always the two are always present. Which one do you want to look at? That's a decision. It's, it's your decision. I can make it for you. So I intentionally, intentionally decide to look at, I call them gifts or miracles. You can, because I love, for me, my brain reacts really well to words that are like that grandiose and intense. And I receive even more uh, good emotions when I do that. It doesn't work with everybody. I have a friend who's very more rational than me. And if I talk to her about miracles, she's going to look at me and she's going to say, okay, bye, I'm gone. And <laughs> so you have to find your own manual, if you want. What, what does work with you? And maybe experiment a little bit. Work, work with words in your mind. See what words create a good feeling in your body. And use those words when you talk to yourself. Use those words when you say thank you for the miracles today. And when you install that filter um, and you are convinced that life is giving you gifts, when stuff happens, that's what the sticker you're going to put on it and you're going to react this way. Like I had a woman last week, I, I was interviewed in a podcast and somebody contacted me from South, Af South Africa because she heard me in a podcast. And I was like, that's a gift from God, from the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. It's mean it's falling on me. I, I don't have to do anything for it. I just get interviewed, which I love doing. And this happens. So how do you want to label it? Do you want to be, eh, that's normal. And that's the result of the marketing. Or do you want to say, thank you for the gift? 
it's on everyone can decide that and the the joy definitely comes from the latter yes <laughs> but but we we give up so many opportunities to feel the joy and to feel the happiness we're looking for it from in all different places when it's already there's the opportunities there all the time and we and we just pass them up and you know what you were talking about there i can completely relate to uh, you know i was probably a bit like your friend not so long ago a few years ago <laughs> I, I the super rational doesn't make any sense but i found i found actually when you what what you see isn't necessarily always what's true and i've definitely been able to experience that by expressing that gratitude continuously it's impossible to feel negative thoughts or emotions at the same time as expressing gratitude it's just not physically possible yes and and when you say what you see is not necessarily true i would go to say that nothing is true it's, it's all a question of perception it's, it's true. so I, see, I always tell myself when i go into negative thoughts because i deal with I deal with a lot of stuff and I dealt with a teen who attempted to commit suicide. So it's not that it's butterfly and roses all the time, but what do you want your world to be? What you, you can decide on your perception. You can train your brain to have a more positive perception. And sometimes you can't be grateful. There are days it's just not there. You can't then get neutral get neutral uh but just you have to be consciously doing it because if you don't consciously do it it's going to be imposed on you by society every message that you can see everywhere now it's very negative i know that for example this situation with the covid is not fun mm. it's not it's it can be sad for people who have dealt with that but if that's what you're focusing on all day, first of all, you're going to lower your immune system and you take you have more chances to get it. And second of all, I, I told someone, if my destiny is that I'm going to die from COVID, I want at least to live those days <laughs> well. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. So what do, it's a decision. And I know some people feel like maybe slapping me in the face when I say stuff like that because they're in the middle of something. And I don't say it like that when I deal with people, uh, but that's really what it is. Because I've dealt with a life-threatening disease where a few days I didn't know if I would make it. I've dealt with a teen trying to kill themselves. Uh, kids trying to be a little bit too much experimental with weed and you know those party stuff. It's not that my life is easy, but it is easy at the same time because I, my perception has changed so much that if the events are not easy, the way that I apprehend the events, the way that I respond to the events become easier. And you were talking about being rational, even with my friends, because I coach my friend, of course, all my friends, when they have something, they come to me, ha, ah! okay, okay, <laughs> let's do a session. Um, even if she's rational. So we have this thing where I believe that things happen for a reason, she doesn't. But it doesn't matter mm -hmm. because ultimately, what are you doing with what happens? Doesn't matter what you believe. 
do the best with what happens and then you make it happen for a reason you create that reason so and the big thing is really understanding that the entire universe goes on inside the head right so yes experiences events everything's going to happen all of these things are going to happen and it's not what happens that matters it's how we process what happens yeah. and the example i give quite often is um raining right when it rains some people you wake up in the morning look out the window and you have a choice some people will look out the window and, and be disappointed miserable oh my god it's raining somebody else has been praying for that rain somewhere and is overjoyed and yes. it's the same rain it's just a different perspective and i think if we can understand that actually all of how we we have control over how we respond to the events that happen around us and to us and actually nothing external can can control how you feel only you can control how you feel right we say oh that made me unhappy it didn't make you unhappy yeah no <laughs> you've chosen to be unhappy at the as a response to an event and i think it takes quite a, quite a bit of practice though doesn't it it does and because we've we are not taught that unfortunately i wish they would teach that in school um nothing makes us anything and the problem is that that decision is made unconsciously mm -hmm. and it's made because of what was installed in childhood the model of the world what things mean because let's say that in a civilization where doing a, a gesture that can be perceived here as very aggressive like giving the finger to someone you go to a civilization where it's the way they say hi for them it doesn't mean the same thing yeah. uh i i know in in italy um there is a, a sign where you know you do you do like that mm -hmm. you do your finger your index and your pinky finger and the the thumb are up and the rest of the fingers are down it means cornuto that means your wife is cheating on you or your husband is cheating on you where you can do that that can mean love too uh i think it's without the the thumb when you're in a concert so yeah. what do you associate what's the meaning i always have those those discussion with my son who's 16 because he uses the, the young people sometimes use curse words in the way they speak and that irritates my ears like i'm reacting so so strongly to that and he comes to me and he says mom it's just a word <laughs> our generation doesn't attach the meaning that you attach to that word and that's the discussion we have lately and i'm like i don't care when you're around me please i'm not from your generation refrain use it with them not with me and I'm like, and when you're going to be in the professional milieu, when you're going to grow up, it's going to be another issue. He said, no, because I'm growing up with my generation and we are going to set the rules. And I'm like, whatever. But <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> and the thing is, though, I, it's funny, it's interesting. I was reading, um, I'm reading Andrew Carnegie's autobiography at the moment. And it's in, he was talking about growing up in Dunfermline as a, as a little boy. And his he had there was a, a a play that he would recite and in there it had the word in the line that he would say it had the word hell and when they first and this is so this is back in yeah hundreds 1834 i think yeah. he was born and uh 
he said that when they would first recite this, they would kind of cough over the word hell because they were <laughs> they were nervous and embarrassed to be saying such such a bad word. And to my God, have times changed? Oh yeah. Even when you see, you know, the 1900s or 1920s provocative pictures of women where they were very dressed compared to what we see today. It's really funny. It's funny, but it's all, it's just how it's perception and how it gradually changes over time and how one thing is, you know, nothing's constant, right? There's just, and, and for one thing, a meaning for one person is not a meaning for somebody else. And now it's a, now it's, you know, it's even generational. Yes, it is. It is generational and personal. It's it's really based on our experience. Mm. Um, yeah. And so we talked a bit about the morning. How, what about evenings? How does how do you how do you kind of close your day off? So I tried. Evening is more difficult for me. I try to go to sleep on something peaceful. I used to listen to um, calming meditations. I love Louise Hay. And I used to listen to her going to sleep. But lately, I, I can't listen to anything. It gets on my nervous system. I don't know why. I guess my body is changing. It's more difficult because sometimes I watch something and I fall asleep because I go to bed very late. And I'm trying lately to not do that, not fall asleep while watching a movie because that's not the best thing. Uh, so when I am able and I'm fully transparent, I'm not there yet. I was for years and lately it changed. So when I can, I go to sleep with gratitude. I go to sleep with trying to close my eyes and let go of anything and be in the, like the bliss or whatever it, you want to call it. But that's definitely a work in progress lately. Because you, you know, I'm sure you know about Wayne Dyer. Um, I know a little bit of Wayne Dyer. Okay, so Wayne Dyer used to say um, that, and he's not the only one, it's based on, on uh, neuroscience as well, that the last thing you see in the evening, you bathe into it all night. So I definitely don't watch violent movies before going to sleep. I don't like violent movies anymore so much. But it's important what you think before you go to sleep. If you think about a problem that you're being, you're being having all day, that's what you're going to bathe in, in during your night and your nervous system, everything is going to be wired. So I try to really calm down and using breathing too, mm -hmm. because when you breathe through the nose, it calms down your, your nervous system right away. And on that, there's, it's no coincidence that the evening news is at 10 o'clock pretty much everywhere in the world, right? Because they yeah. know full well you're going to watch the news and then go to bed and dream about all of the misery that you've just seen yeah. through that, that half an hour before you went to sleep. So turn the news off before you go to bed. Don't watch the news. Don't start your day with news and don't end your day with news. Because exactly. You're just uh, building a cycle of, of negative thoughts. You start the day thinking there's no hope and you go to bed sleeping and dreaming about all of the the misery and so people say oh no how do i how will i know what's going on trust me i cut the news out a few years ago and i still know what's going on because people can't help but talk about it yeah i do too i don't watch too much um i if i want to keep myself informed i will read more than listen because it has less of an impact 
But like you said, everybody's going to come to you and tell you what negative news yes. is going on. So, And then you can use the power of the internet these days to go around and try and find out some level of fact or truth rather than the, the media spin, which is always trying to put some generally fear. I mean, look at COVID at the moment. They're just trying to make us everybody as terrified as possible. And it, unfortunately, it's working. But like you said earlier, you know, if you if you're worrying about this stuff all the time, you're just lowering your own response anyway. I I know I was talking to my mom who's in France. Um, I talk to her every day lately, and they scare them. I don't watch it here too much, but same thing. There are people who watch that all the time, and they're scared. I do what I have to do to protect myself. I'm not completely crazy, but I don't want to be scared all day. I can still go walk outside and look at the trees and I love hiking. I don't have to think about COVID when I do that. So it's a balance uh, mm -hmm. in anything. Interestingly enough, I saw yesterday that one of the industries that has profited or has seen an increase during this period was big tobacco. Now is oh. the irony. So we're <laughs> hiding away worrying about something that might hurt us smoking which would definitely hurt us this is so this is this is how powerful the information is that we put into our own heads and we got to we got to monitor it because we're allowing ourselves to be terrified of this thing because that's what's being communicated whilst doing something some people are doing stuff that is guaranteed to cause misery and harm further down the line at some point <laughs> um, instead it, it just blows my mind it's it's again it's a question of perception and what we tell ourselves the stories we tell ourselves and people are so stressed they are trying to calm down and people who smoke it somehow calms them down but it's very crazy when you think about it if a martian was coming on the planet looking at that they would be like what? <laughs> you know the things they do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> are there any are there any books? Let's say one book on the subject of what we've been talking about. Is there if somebody's listening to this and they think, oh, that's quite what would what would be one book you'd point them in the direction of as a good starter? So it's always hard for me because I have books that I love. Uh -huh. Um one of them, there is, I was talking about Wayne Dyer, so the power of intention. And, but there is a book that is so simple, but yet so powerful that I come back to very often. It's uh, the, the Four Agreements from Don Miguel Ruiz. Because two of those Four Agreements really changed my life when I started reflecting about it. Uh, it one was don't take anything personally, and when I started doing that, my life changed. I'm not triggered right and left like I, I could have been in the past. And the other one was be impeccable with your word. I think I, I don't know if he says with your word or being impeccable. I think it was your word. Mm -hmm. So trying to stay aligned with truth, and I always tell people. Um, what you think, and I'm trying to not lie as much as I can. Maybe, I don't know, sometimes I give an excuse, but less and less. I mean, I don't go there anymore. But even white lies have an impact because when you're lying, you're watching yourself lying. Mm -hmm. 
the observer in you is like, ah, oh, her words has no value anyway. So then when you affirm, I'm going to succeed, I'm going to uh, build my dreams, you don't believe yourself either. And when you're lying, you know you're lying. And because lies have been connected to being a bad person, you feel less deserving because it tells you somewhere in your mind that eh, maybe you can be a bad person because you lie. So you don't feel deserving of the best. It has huge consequences. So of course, nothing is perfect in this world. Just catch yourself when you do it and just realign. And when you learn to put boundaries, to set boundaries with people, you don't need to lie anymore. I really like that. Something I kind of latched onto a while ago was being able to hear the second voice as I kind of call it, it's kind of like two voices in your head, right? There's the one that acts really quickly, which is the right thing. And if you've got to be able to hear it. So when you, I know, simple, simple example, put something on the side rather than putting it in the dishwasher, right? In your, in your head, there's a small little voice that says, put it in the dishwasher and you go, nah, it's all right. I put it on the side and you can, you've got to, It's just simple things. And then that, that, that but if you, all through your life, that li- that voice is always telling you what you should be doing. Offer somebody, open the door for someone. And if you you're either you're either listening, or ignoring, or not hearing. And I think for once you start to hear that voice and know it's there, then you've got to live with either you're going to listen to what it tells you to do, or you're going to ignore it, and you know full well you've ignored it. Oh yes, you know because when you're not aligned with truth, there is a reaction in your body. I, I use my body as an antenna very often, even sometimes when I make decisions. Uh, if you go into applied kinesiology, you know that the body reacts to truth. And when, you, when something is not aligned with truth or when something is not reconciling in your brain, both parts of the brain are not in sync and your, muscle, your muscles lose of their uh, tonicity, like you're weaker. So I use that to know sometimes what's the best for me because sometimes you need to make a decision. And I feel it. I remember when I started really setting boundaries and learning that, telling someone, yes, yes, I'll be there. And then having to come back and say, hey, uh, I won't be able to be there. Why saying I will be there? And, and you have that anxiety in your stomach. Oh my God, I'm going to have to cancel. I'm going to have to cancel. I'm... Why do that to yourself? Learn to say, okay, I'm sorry. That's not going to be possible. Or I'm not available or whatever you want to say. It's, you can feel it in your body. It, ha- it, it has an effect. It affects you. Yeah. So listening yeah. to your body. It's worse to, it's worse to let somebody down in the future than it is to say no i can't do it can't do it now 100 percent, definitely but for some reason we like to torture ourselves (laughs) (laughs) but but i i don't know i was conditioned to say yes right away before i even could catch it from my mouth it would go out and i was like oh my god i need to intervene on that what what is that and it's conditioning. It's, I guess, the I've been raised in France, so we are proper, and at least in my generation. And no, now you hear a lot. You hear it a lot in the workplace, and particularly with females. You know, my my girlfriend will say that it's 
it becomes a thing it becomes a practice to be able to say no particularly yeah. at work and every and people just say yes 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 no get overloaded with with work and and re, with responsibilities and then implode in on themselves because yeah. they're too, too afraid to say no and i think hopefully these days i'm hearing more that there's a lot of more conversation around it's okay to say no but i think for quite a while it's been a, a struggle for people I, that's funny because I, I came in, across that too with my clients and the people that I encounter and when we start talking. And so I created a, a video with tapping, which actually will lower the stress response about thinking to say no, about saying no. So I did a special video to train on that at a brain level. So your stress response about saying no is lower and you can do that with more ease. Because nice. it's a big thing. Who would you say has been the greatest inspiration to you? Um, so I was talking about Louise Hay. Mm -hmm. um, Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer a lot too. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's, it changes because I have phases where I, there are people that I really... Louise Hay and Wayne Dyer are two that I always go back to, but I have phases where right now I'm a lot in uh, neuroscience. I'm, I'm fascinated by the discoveries. So I listen a lot uh, about that topic and how we can use it because everything I learn, I apply in my coaching. So I just discovered recently someone called uh, Andrew, oh my God, yeah. Andrew Huberman, who's a neuroscientist at the Stanford uh, University conducting experiments and giving talks and interviews. And it, it's fascinating because we can use it to our advantage when we have this kind of knowledge. So it varies, but I, I believe, yeah, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay are two of my go-to. And um, Gabby Bernstein also, but sometimes yeah those those people interesting i think the neuroscience stuff is, is is fascinating because how fast it's moved on even in the very short space of time i was i was watching a, uh, a documentary in the uk last week and it was uh following some um brain operations and it was like oh. talking removing brain tumors and um they were saying like they were showing the scans of the brain and they were said until recently we thought this this area did this and this area did that but actually we found that that not to be true at all and there's still so much unknown um about how the brain works and the other thing i find very interesting is how how much neuroscience seems to discover what some of the mystics have and the yeah. sages have said for thousands of years um and i wonder how far, how much it will ultimately converge at some point in the future and and that's funny because that uh I, that doctor uh, andrew huberman that neuroscientist he was talking about the fact that so he's very hardcore mainstream but he also is interested in reiki and chakra i i'm i'm certified to do reiki so i'm always wanting to learn and is exploring those areas too and science is really meeting spirituality 
nowadays and it's it's amazing because it's not as taboo as it used to be to mm-hmm. talk about energy and and being able to use your hands to conduct energy to heal people it's it's we're living in a great great time well they've actually managed to prove as well now that thoughts the electrical energy and the magnetic energy from thoughts leave yeah. the brain and you can now measure without yeah. where they used to put the electrodes on the head so that they could track the electronic movement they've actually been able to track the thoughts movement without touching the head i think they call it magnetoencephalogram or something like that i heard that from bruce lipton um when he was talking about the biology of belief and thoughts and and um it's it's amazing and we are powerful yeah and they talk about i mean i got stumbled across it all of this stuff through napoleon hill funnily enough and with his writing in think and grow rich and he was talking about you know the the transmitting and receiving of of thoughts and all these kind of things and you know they've kind of proved that this happens you particularly look at animals right they 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 yeah from a telepathic nature all of the time and we seem to take that bit for granted that they seem they glance in a different direction everyone knows where to go the birds know how to follow each other right and they were saying we are the only ones who override that that yeah. sense because we have it too i use that because i uh, i work on my intuition constantly and i used it in my life to literally i didn't have a gps in my car and i used that the sensations in my hands to direct myself to wherever i wanted to go we have that it's mm-hmm. natural but we just don't know well we try and block it out with some rational thought and confuse yeah <laughs> use ourselves don't we um what would you say has been the greatest life lessons that you've learned things that you've taken on board that if you could go back and tell your younger self what would they be i would say relax <laughs> I, I i i have a tendency to be too serious so i always have to remind myself lighten up lighten up and 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 love yourself i we are not taught that and when I look back, I'm like, you know, we're always so critic with ourselves. Like we criticize the way we look and what we do. When I look at it now, I'm like, was I crazy or what? So that's what I would tell myself. Love yourself and lighten up. It's all okay. It's going to be fine. I like that. I heard a Alan Watts lecture and he said like he carried a, um, a, a seashell in his pocket. Because he'd pull it out and say, "Look, look how how brilliant this is! Look how perfectly formed mm-hmm. it is." He said, "Do you think that maybe at the bottom of the ocean, <clears throat> all of the other crustaceans and and uh, fish are saying, oh, look at the state of that shell! It's got one little mark out of place.' But well, that's, <laughs> well, that's what we do to other humans yeah. all of the time. Like we we sit there marveling at this shell, and we're not marveling at all of the other humans around. Yeah, I, I, I we are magnificent." And uh, we need to remember that. I think we just take. I had people crying when I did a toast uh, toastmaster speech one day about that, about the fact that we're magnificent and it's time to go back to ourselves. And I had people crying. I get. I guess we need to get in touch with that. We just take it for granted, right? But just, just yeah. Well, we're just. We're just. A, I think we take everything for granted. Look at even the simple things like banana. Look at the banana. How does a banana know to be a banana, right? We just take it for granted. And um, we, if we just take five seconds to look around and see everything 
that is is around it's just, everything's fascinating if you allow it that's to. why i love uh, a spielberg steven spielberg because he kept a child Mm-hmm. approach to stuff sometimes in his movies and I, since i was very young i remember i always said i don't want to lose that child approach because that's what you're saying it's about marveling on stuff definitely what would you say we've got, I've got a couple more questions before we wrap up some conscious of time um what would you say have been the the best habits that you've introduced into your life what, what are the good habits that you've adopted? meditation mm-hmm. meditation and I do mirror uh, exercises with myself too about uh, self-love and self-acceptance. That also changed my life, to be less hard with yourself. Is Stop that just the... talking to yourself in a positive oh, yeah. way? And, and, and... Yeah. And know that I'm not perfect, but I'm lovable. And I tell that to myself. Telling that to yourself while you look in your eyes in the mirror is very powerful. What is perfect? Does it exist? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're chasing this thing that does not exist. There's yeah. no, there is no perfection other than what is already around, I would suggest. Um, my last question for you before we wrap up is, if you could spend one day, I used to have this as one hour, but now I've changed it to one day. Oh, that's better. <laughs> if you could spend one day with anybody, dead or alive, who would that person be? So if that was somebody who's alive, I would love to spend one day with Tony Robbins. I would love that. And uh, somebody who's dead, I would love to spend a day with Wayne Dyer because he really impacted me. Good answers. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Robbins would be very interesting. I think. Oh be- my God. <laughs> it would blow your mind. I've done some, that's who I started with uh, back then, back in time uh, to go to his seminars and, and, several days events, it changed me. The, what I've learned there, I still apply today. So it's amazing. Yeah, I'd love, um, before we get down a rabbit hole, but I love, I love the whole six human needs concept and uh, the triad, those things, I th- just those two things that by themselves are incredibly powerful. So, so I have a daughter who, who uh, graduated in psychology. So all those six human needs and, and more, I mean, it was there for quite some time, but when people apply them in the way that he uses them, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, Tony Robbins is really a master of what he does. It's, oh, it's incredible. So where can people find you, Muriel? Uh, on my website, Single Moms, and I know in England it's M-U-M, in, in the US it's M-O-M, so singlemomsdoingitall.com. And you can find everything there, the podcast, uh, I have a membership, the coaching, the anything. It's been amazing. Thank you very much for Thank you. giving up your Thank early you morning. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, no, but that's a good way to start the day. <laughs> yeah. For me, it works well because I'm, I'm starting to wrap up my day. So I end oh, up good. on note and you can start yours. Um, so thank you. Thank you very, very much again. Um, Thank you for having me.
Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you'd like to hear more similar episodes, head over to pocketmastermind.com where you'll also find the links mentioned in this conversation. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It'll really help us to get our message out and let more people know about these episodes. So leave us a review, leave us a rating, hit the subscribe button and please share with your friends. Until next time, thank you again for listening.